This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Several cities here in central Kentucky are growing rapidly right now. We'll talk to the mayor of Georgetown, the fastest growing city in the state, about the challenges that brings. Mayor Tom Prather will be with us in just a few moments. But first, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is ramping up his presidential campaign and he's assembled a team in Kentucky ahead of the May 19th primary. He's opening up four offices in the Bluegrass State, including one here in Lexington. Jason Perkey with the campaign is joining us. He's the senior advisor for the Kentucky Mike Bloomberg campaign. Welcome. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. We just learned that you're uh, the nephew of Wayne Perkey, a long-time uh, announcer of, uh, from uh, WHAS in Louisville that yes, many sir. people in this region know as well. Sure. Uh, interesting connection there. You have extensive uh, political experience. Uh, why did you sign on with Michael Bloomberg? Uh, why do you think uh, there is some chance he could do well in Kentucky? Sure. Two reasons um, that um, come to the forefront of why I'm, I'm supporting uh, Mike Bloomberg. First, I think he has the mental capacity um, to be president of the United States, to run the federal government. He's smart enough to handle uh, all of the issues, whether they're international or domestic. Um, he's proven that he's a leader uh, and can, can actually think on scale uh, for the purposes of being able to solve issues and um, take our country forward in, in the right direction. Uh, secondly, Mike Bloomberg is a steady hand. Uh, he's someone that's not going to come into the Oval Office and continue to shake things up across the country in a way that creates extremism, uh, whether or not it's the north, south, east, west, or in the Midwest. We, we have a president now um, that has done a whole lot of splintering of America between Republicans and Democrats, um, between race, uh, and I think that, and gender, and, and I think that we have someone who's going to, on day one, actually provide a steady hand um, in, in the most important position in politics in our federal government. Now President Trump carried Kentucky with about 66% sure. of the vote in 2016 sure. and, uh, and polls have indicated he uh, continues to enjoy majority approval mm -hmm. uh, here in the Commonwealth uh, at this point. The President has visited Kentucky several times, sure. always enthusiastic crowds. Can any Democrat beat Donald Trump in Kentucky in November? Well, so I don't know if any Democrat's going to beat Donald Trump in Kentucky in November, but I think that my Mike Bloomberg is going to win the Democratic primary in May. And the reason why is because he shares the values of Democrats. He shares the values of Americans across the country. Um, an uphill climb, obviously, in November for whomever the nominee is going to be on a Democratic side against Donald Trump because of how popular that he is across the Commonwealth. But my job is the first step, which is to make sure that people understand the profile of Mike Bloomberg and why he is the single best candidate to run against Donald Trump and to beat him in November. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to put together here, focus on May. What do you want people to know that they don't already know, that he is a sure. billionaire businessman, <laughs> that he was the mayor of New York City, sure. uh, that uh, he had uh, some proposals about uh, uh, soft drinks, yeah. sizes, this sort of thing. I mean, yeah. what else do we need to know in, so, in your view? So, yeah, so so I, I think, it, it, just taking the last issue you talked about, healthcare. Um, Mike Bloomberg cares about people's health, and he's actually made um, some policy decisions and implemented them in New York uh, so that people can actually live longer, um, from smoking bans um, uh, to the, the, this big gulp issue that people talk about. Uh, what he's most concerned in is people's health and their longevity. Um, I'm also interested in people learning um, that he has the temperament for the job. 
he's also someone that's going to be inclusive of all Americans, not just a small handful of people like Donald Trump has been. Um, I think that Mike Bloomberg has addressed issues like climate. Um, he has lowered carbon emissions. Uh, he has uh, increased air quality in New York. Um, it's been better than it's been in 50 years there. He's addressed issues like gun violence and immigration. Uh, New York City is the immigration capital of America. And so he knows firsthand those issues that uh, immigrants are facing and people who have, um, that are in that space. Uh, so when, when it, again, when it comes to thinking very broadly about very important issues, he has the experience and the brain power uh, to make really tough choices in a way that's going to impact everybody. Mayor Bloomberg is uh, something of a late start here. He sure. has not competed yet in a primary or caucus, uh, and already he has faced some criticism, mm -hmm. including from uh, minority groups about sure. uh, some of the police policies sure. when he was mayor there. Yeah, so one of the things I admire about Mayor Bloomberg is his humility. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg apologized for not acting sooner uh, with regards to the impact on the issue of stop and frisk. Um, I think that that's some market of, of a leader and someone who can learn from um, all of the things that they have impacted in people's lives uh, on a day-to-day -day basis or um, just someone who might not have ever met before uh, and, and still being able to, to take ownership of it uh, and move on, right, to uh, come up with issues and, excuse me, come up with initiatives like the Greenwood Initiative that will hopefully um, provide an opportunity for one million African-American homeowners across America that will deal with a fundamental issue in our country, which is income inequality, access to capital so that people of color can start businesses, grow businesses, and be successful. Um, so I, I think there, there very much was an issue with regards to, to stop and frisk in New York City. I think, however, what he's done is something that Donald Trump would never do, which is take ownership of it, apologize for it, stand in front of the people that he's impacted as a result of that choice and a result of that policy, and then try to do something all, uh, try to do something to better that community as well. As Bloomberg looks for a lane or a path to the Democratic nomination, uh, it would appear he has to do some weaving sure. here. Uh, you have uh, Bernie Sanders, obviously, on the left, and then more moderate candidates uh, like uh, Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar, mm -hmm. uh, with the, the last two doing well in the New Hampshire primary. Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, uh, where does he fit into the, to all of that? Well, I think he he can, he has actually policies that is an umbrella of all of those. Right when you talk about where he stands on climate and addressing climate change, that is a progressive idea. Where he stands on addressing gun violence, that is hopefully a, a, not just progressive, but a Democratic, Republican, American idea because that's an epide epidemic in America. Um, what what I also think in terms of Kentucky Democrats is that they're not far left. They're not. Um, uh, extremist by any stretch of the imagination. I think we can look at the governor's race last year in the primary and find three very unique candidates that ran. In the primary we had an incredibly progressive candidate, Adam Elin, with a pro-life Democrat in Rocky Atkins, and we had someone that stood up for all Democrats uh, in, in Andy Bashir, who won that nomination because I think he stood for all of Democrats, and then it winds up obviously fighting for uh, the bulk of and all of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg uh, probably uh, will be coming into and discussing issues in sure. areas that he hasn't faced on a large scale in New York, such as the opioid epidemic yeah. that we've seen in the 
Appalachia that has really uh, wrecked so many families and communities. Yeah. Uh, to your knowledge, does he have a plan to try to address uh, the addiction crisis? So healthcare and making sure that pharmaceutical companies, uh, making sure that people who have addictions have access to healthcare for the purposes of addressing arguably one of the most important issues in Appalachia and in uh, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, across America. Um, you know, I have members of my family who have struggled with addiction. Um, my dad has been in recovery for over 30 years and someone who has taught me um, that we're not all in this alone. We have to actually reach out for help and be humble enough to do it. And I think that Mark, one of the, one of the things I'm impressed most now about Mayor Bloomberg is that he's surrounded himself with people uh, who have had all of those experiences for the purposes of sharing their stories so he can be, be educated on all of them, whether or not it's the opioid epidemic, uh, issues with regards to gun violence, issues with regards to immigration, issues with regards to um, uh, trade. Um, there, there is uh, an opportunity for us to have someone in the White House that can't just think about one thing and isn't just going to be focused on anything in particular, but is going to make sure that people who are experiencing this as an issue know that they have someone in the White House that will work with them. What signal do you hope it sends mm -hmm. that here three months before the primary, yeah. uh, he is opening up offices, mm -hmm. he has a team in place, and you are sitting here making his case uh, yeah. before Kentuckians? Sure. So I don't think that K Kentucky has ever had a candidate running for president sitting in the Commonwealth asking to talk to them and listen from them uh, that have been running for president in my lifetime this early. In February for a May primary, normally Kentucky gets a, a, a mad dash of two weeks uh, in and around the month of May after Derby where people just try to fire folks up for the purposes of running uh, out and voting. And we're often too late to matter. That's but, right. That may not be the case no, this year. Exactly. So instead what we have is an incredibly dynamic team of people from all over the Kentucky that are Kentuckians um, who can... It, just have an provide an opportunity for people who want to participate in the presidential campaign to show up, have their voices heard, to have the issues that they're concerned about be addressed, um, and do it for a long period of time instead of just asking people to go show up at the polls. Will he campaign in Kentucky? I, I, would, I would hope so. Uh, I haven't had that direct conversation with him, but here's what I what, what we do have on our side is one of his national co-chairs is the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, and Greg Fisher. So I think there's a persuasive arm there that'll get him uh, to, um, to come to Kentucky. I know how important that is uh, to come to a state and ask for folks votes. I know that he's been to every state that has it with Super Tuesday votes that are having that are voting on Super Tuesday. No other candidate has done that as far as I know. Um, and I have experience when we, we lost Wisconsin in 2016 because Secretary Clinton didn't go there and ask for those votes. So I think that he will come to Kentucky. I hope that he'll come to Kentucky and, and listen to the issues that we're facing here um, and then have people ask him some tough questions so that we can move on to the primary and win. Jason Perkey with the Mike Bloomberg presidential campaign in Kentucky. Thanks for coming. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Appreciate you. Hope you stay with us now. The mayor of fast-growing Georgetown, Tom Prather, with us next on Kentucky Newsmakers. We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Georgetown, just north of Lexington, is the fastest growing city in Kentucky. But with that growth comes some growing pains. The city's population has doubled in the last 20 years, but the city's police force and fire department have not come close to growing at that rate. All of that has led to a study about what to do moving forward and how much those changes might cost. Georgetown Mayor Tom Prather is joining us now. Welcome. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Bill. 
Appreciate being here. Growth is the envy of a lot of uh, people, you know, but it also uh, comes with its challenges. You were mayor uh, in the 1980s when Georgetown was uh, you know, sort of a different place. You're in your second term of your second time around. What is the biggest challenge you're dealing with in the, in the growth of Georgetown? Growth puts specific pressures on our city operations. And I think what's most important, Bill, public safety is our number one responsibility to our citizens. Uh, it's our first job to make sure people are safe where they work, worship, and play. And our ability to continue levels of public service where our citizens expect that to be has proven to be a big challenge and, and one that the study has drawn our attention to. The study, you wanted some numbers to back up your suspicions about uh, what was going on out there. And so you, you had a, a study come in and look at uh, all aspects of, of city government and uh, that has started some conversations in your community. Very needed and I think healthy conversations, Bill. Anecdotally, we knew that certain things had changed about city operations. Um, we also knew that, that uh, we had had difficulty with our current budget year and the budget year we're in right now, we had added no new police officers, no new firefighters, no new dispatchers. And that's just not appropriate for the fastest growing city in Kentucky. So we began an in-depth analysis of Georgetown and we spent a year looking at ourselves. Uh, we looked at 20 years of our own financial history so we could compare Georgetown to Georgetown uh, and identify trends that are exposing themselves. We also wanted benchmarking data, Bill, so we chose a peer group of Kentucky's 18 largest cities, excluding Lexington and Louisville, and then compared ourselves both with expenditures and revenues to those 18 peer cities and to see you, what we what, could learn. What did you find? We found uh, some very surprising numbers. Uh, we pride ourselves on public safety, and we know we have a first-rate fire department and police department. But we found that we're funding those departments at the bottom of the heap, that we did not compare well to our peer cities uh, in, how we, in how we measured up. How much personal responsibility as mayor do you feel uh, to provide those public services, uh, particularly public safety services, to the people? A tremendous responsibility, Bill, and that's a, a responsibility that as a community leader you simply can't lie down. Uh, you have that responsibility constantly. I think the thing that surprised us the most from the study was how much our demographics have changed during this period of rapid growth. The fact that residential growth has far outpaced job creation uh, and what effects that have had on our ability to provide public safety. As you look at this region, a lot of people, you know, live in one part of the bluegrass and, and work in another. And so obviously you have a lot of people who come to Toyota and, and work in Georgetown, but you have a lot of people who are living in Georgetown who work elsewhere. That obviously has to, uh, to play into uh, the tax base and, and so forth as well, right? It certainly does. And again, the biggest takeaway from our look at the demographic changes is over the past 15 years, Georgetown proper has added about 6,800 new jobs. We found that 85% of those jobs are filled by people from outside of Georgetown. So if we create 100 jobs and Georgetown residents only fill 15 of those jobs, then it's a complete mismatch with our tax structure, which relies heavily on payroll tax. 
Kentucky cities uh, uh, are under a lot of rules about uh, the kind of uh, taxes they can have uh, because uh, state government uh, makes the decision as to what uh, uh, you can do even if local citizens are for taxes. Are you part of the push in Frankfurt, uh, including the League of Cities and, and some of the other mayors who have been saying uh, we need some flexibility? Cities need revenue options. Uh, cities are very limited by the Constitution uh, and Kentucky uh, Revised Statutes on what revenue sources we have, and those are very restrictive. Uh, for example, Bill, Georgetown's property tax rates are so low that compared to our peer group of Kentucky's 18 largest cities, our property tax rate is one-fourth of our peer average. And House Bill 44 puts very strict limitations on how much those property taxes can increase. So it just makes our, our options for truly addressing our service needs uh, difficult to obtain. And nothing to say that you would add those taxes if they were an option, but you would like that flexibility? We'd like the flexibility. For example, where we are now working with our Georgetown City Council is we presented the data that shows that we have a substantial shortfall in certain deposits and that in a in a real way Georgetown is at a tipping point about deciding what kind of city we want to be as as we move forward what the council and the public have now asked me to do is now that we've established that there are some shortfalls they've asked me okay what are the solutions to these shortfalls and what do those solutions cost and what might our options be to address those those needs. Your pension costs going forward to continue to, uh, to skyrocket as well, right? They're just staggering, Bill. The study that, that we've just rolled out shows over the next 12 years, Georgetown will pay an additional $17 million into the pension system over the amount that we pay today. Uh, those rate increases are already known. So we went ahead and factored them into our analysis so that we could present our citizens with the most clear-eyed fact-driven, data-driven assessment that we possibly could. I'm sure you want to make it clear growth is a good thing and you want to see it continue. Uh, would it be easier if, uh, if, if the growth slowed in Georgetown? We are a growth community and the study that we completed is in no way an indictment of growth. Uh, we'll continue to grow and we think if we can marshal that growth in the correct ways that will continue to be positive for Georgetown. Are you excited to have this information in hand from this analysis? This information is critical. And I think one of the great advantages that Georgetown has today is having this data. Uh, most communities of our size have not yet taken the step to do an in-depth analysis of this type. And armed with this data so that we can talk with our citizens about facts and not political rhetoric, data, rather than opinions and, and have a productive conversation, uh, I think it's one of the greatest advantages that we have today. Georgetown Mayor Tom Prather is with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. We're going to come back and uh, discuss more of what's happening over there in the seat of Scott County when we come right back. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. We're talking about the growth of Georgetown with the mayor, Tom Prather, and uh, it certainly is interesting to see. Central Kentucky is interesting right now. This large city in the middle, Lexington, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, several growing communities around, and to the north you have Georgetown. It's uh, rapidly growing, which you now say is the seventh largest. Yes. 
you have Richmond to the south, I think is the sixth, the sixth. largest, and, and you're sort of in a race with people moving to both those cities, right? It's a great quality of life in both cities, Bill, and uh, where Richmond is now ranked sixth, uh, and they're growing, we're growing just a little bit faster. So I joke with Mayor Blythe about uh, we'll probably overtake Richmond in the next year or so. And he says trying to draw a line in the sand. Uh, I guess, exactly. right? <laughs> well, a, a line in the river. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, some other uh, exciting things uh, going on over there. Uh, one thing I know you're very proud, the 30th anniversary now, of a sister city program that you have uh, with the community in Japan Yes. Uh, that also uh, has ties to Toyota. It's a really great relationship, Bill, that when we developed it 30 years ago, we decided that this sister city relationship would focus on children and education. And that's been the foundation for this relationship ever since. We have sister school relationships between Sejio High School and Scott County High School to uh, symbolically represent our concern about the environment. We have a sister river relationship with the Elkhorn Creek. Uh, it's a very robust relationship and we'll celebrate the 30th anniversary by actually traveling to Japan later this year uh, to renew that relationship. Georgetown College, under new leadership, President Will Jones is over there, seems to be intent on shaking things up. He's doing uh, some, uh, some pretty bold things, uh, free tuition in targeted counties. What has he brought to the table in the community? Excitement and energy uh, and a vision for Georgetown College that I think is perfect for today. Uh, President Jones has uh, remarkable energy and he, as you mentioned he's taken some very bold steps with the Legacy and Legends program to offer free tuition to uh, students that qualify for Georgetown College. Just couldn't be more proud of what this means for Georgetown College and the city of Georgetown we're so interrelated we share a name. Uh, so the college's success is a real reflection on Georgetown's success. Uh, and I wish President Jones well. What would you say to regions and to this region in particular where, where uh, Georgetown is in the middle of the bluegrass uh, with all of this growth uh, happening, with the, the traffic patterns uh, becoming uh, heavier at all times, uh, about trying to coordinate better as a region? Is there, is there enough going on in terms of planning uh, Central Kentucky's growth? Collaborative planning region-wide needs a lot of help. Uh, Bill, I believe that the philanthropic community has figured out how to do regionalism exceptionally well with United Way of the Bluegrass and other philanthropic organizations. I believe the business community has figured out regionalism very well. Local government has not. Uh, we still primarily exist in silos. Uh, I know that Bluegrass Tomorrow as a regional organization is trying to promote better communication about planning decisions and clearly we can do a better job at that. What is the missing piece? I is it the fact that every community wants its own individual identity and uh, wants to promote its own individual uh, tourism activities and its, their downtowns, that kind of thing. Is that a, a barrier to, uh, to having some more cooperation? There is some jealous autonomy uh, that, that certainly exists. But on places like tourism where that cooperation is completely benign, there are no losers when we cooperate on tourism. If we convince someone to stay for another day, then another community benefits as well. There are things that we can do, but historically, we've had these silos, and they're really hard to break down. 
merged government. It's come up before. In fact, I think you had a vote over that yes. once and it was defeated, right? Uh, but when you talk about the changes in demographics and the fact that there are so many more uh, now in the city limits uh, than in the rest of the uh, Scott County, uh, though there are the other communities out there as well, uh, do you see that possibly coming up again for a vote? We have the occasional conversation about merged government. I don't see a groundswell of support for it right now, Bill. What we learned when we attempted the merger effort, and it turned out to be such a bitterly divisive political topic, that we could accomplish almost the same outcomes by cooperation. And Georgetown and Scott County Fiscal Court enjoy a very cooperative relationship. We have some 16 different interlocal agreements where we share expenses and share outcomes. So we tried to achieve the efficiency of merger without the political rancor of merger. And it comes to the same thing, right? Communities want their own identity, right? They Not very jealously will guard their own identity. <laughs> Mayor, thank you so much for coming. Mayor thank Tom you. Appreciate Brother the invitation. Of Georgetown. The race to the White House is a long one, but we're a step closer to learning the Democratic presidential nominee. Our senior national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, has the latest news from the campaign trail. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Hold the chaos and confusion. The nation's first primary went off without a hitch. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders winning the New Hampshire primary. No surprise there. But Mayor Pete was close behind, less than two percentage points behind. In fact, so close, he's projected to win the same number of delegates. And a big surprise from Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. She surged to round out the top three. That's a big blow to Senator Elizabeth Warren. The Massachusetts Senator trailed behind to a distant fourth place. She had expected to do far better in her neighboring state. And the Yang Gang is no more. Businessman Andrew Yang pulling out of the presidential race. And he's not the only one. Colorado Senator Michael Bennett likewise bowing out on Tuesday. And then one day later, Wednesday, it was former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick's turn to leave the race. And next up in the marathon for the Democratic nomination, the Nevada Caucus. It's more than a week away, but early voting starts this Saturday. The Silver State is the candidate's first test in a diverse state. Nevada has a sizable Latino population. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sunday. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you. And remember, you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren. It'll be this morning at 11.30 on WKYT. Well, that's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning. You make it a good week ahead.